You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. ABC Tonight. Special Agent Will Trent. Judge Bureau Investigation. I told him I'd bring my best. Will sees things that no one else does. Based on the New York Times bestselling series. But why Will Trent? He's good police and he's objectively hot. See crime. Put out an Amber Alert. There's a kidnapping. Through his eyes. He read that crime scene like it was a book. Ramon Rodriguez is. I'm a pretty observant guy. Will Trent. Series premiere tonight, tonight central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, and welcome to Fan Theory Queries, where we analyze fan theories from all over the internet, but mostly Reddit. I'm Laura. I'm Michael. I'm Spencer. And I'm Blythe. And you're back. Yay. Welcome back to the show. It seems like it was only about five episodes ago that you were with us. Yes, not too long ago. (laughs) Quick refresher for everybody. This is uh, Blythe Sewell. She is our co-host Michael's sister. Some would argue she's the more interesting, fashionable one. Um, Others would argue the opposite of that. So, depends on others or me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Only him. Just the, so, one, the one other. <laughs> welcome. We have yes. Blythe on because she has fun opinions and takes on things. And so it's always nice to add an influx of Blythe energy when we need it. <laughs> Thank you. I like that Blythe energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. We do too. That's why we have you coming back. Thanks. <laughs> cool. You want to go ahead and dive into this now? Let's do it. Let's kick it yes. off. All right. Absolutely. So this theory... Uh, comes from Reddit user AKPhilly1, and their theory is that D'Angelo Vickers was simply a character brought in by the documentary team of The Office, played by the actual Will Ferrell. Hmm. So, they you say, know, I love these when they take yep, an actor and just say that this is real life. So, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So, AKPhilly1 says in the merger episode from season three. Michael holds a meeting to create camaraderie between the original Scranton crew and the Stanford transplants. With a little help from Andy Bernard, he references Night at the Roxbury and performs his rendition of What is Love. Now, Night at the Roxbury, of course, stars Will Ferrell, so we know Will Ferrell exists in the Office universe. Flash forward to season 7, and D'Angelo Vickers is brought in as Michael's replacement. For his short tenure as manager, he behaves extremely outlandishly. For example, having a barber shave him in his office and performing a fake juggling routine. Or so we thought. (laughs) D'Angelo Vickers was never really Dunder Mifflin's manager. No, he was Will Ferrell himself. Brought in by the documentary crew for a viewership boost until Dunder Mifflin could find its actual new replacement for Michael. When the new manager was hired, the documentary crew, air quotes, killed him off. Though notice the actual injury conveniently occurred off screen so that's it it's a simple theory mm-hmm. not much to it <laughs> yeah i like that i already have yeah. an opinion i do too well so let me ask you guys did y'all like um yeah. will ferrell on the show i personally did oh. i mean it's it's for me it was impossible to replace steve carell yes and and michael yes. scott mm-hmm. because i mean he is the heart of the show mm-hmm. but if they were going to bring anybody in I think Will Ferrell was a good choice just because he brought a lot of the similar antics that Michael Scott brought, mm-hmm. but in a different way. So it was kind of like a new flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm not the biggest Will Ferrell fan, I like some of his stuff, but some of his stuff is also mm-hmm. real annoying to me. Um, yeah. And so like, I wasn't that excited, but the way that they did his character, I really enjoyed. And I think yeah. out of all of the second bosses, 
after Michael left. He's my favorite. He was the most yep, fun, I, I think. Really? I thought you loved Robert California because of how he, weird he, he was. I mean, he's just, I, he's weird. Like, some, there's <laughs> there's too much of him that's like, okay, that's kind of, it, it, icky. I feel icky sometimes. Like, he makes me laugh. If we're talking about the actual actors that play these, these other bosses, I mean, Will Ferrell, Idris Elba, uh, James Spader, all three, in my opinion, are high caliber. Absolutely. I, I love a lot of the stuff that they do. But as far as the characters they played, out of those three, I think that Will Ferrell's character, D'Angelo Vickers, was probably my favorite. Was just just so because silly. he made me laugh the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think I can agree with you somewhat on that. I love Idris Elba as an actor. Hate, hate his character with a passion. Like, might possibly be my, mm. my least favorite character on the show. Whose character? I think that is what keeps Idris Elba's character. I don't remember his oh, name. I love his character. I think because I hate I love him so it. much. Oh, he makes me so <laughs> He's so mad. such a jerk, um, and I love it. <laughs> I like how Will Ferrell's character has that same kind of awkwardness to him. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think he's as endearing. I mean, no one can be as endearing as Steve Carell as Michael Scott in the midst oh, no. of that awkwardness. So I don't know. I think if I had to choose out of those three, I would say he would be my favorite of the second bosses, but very close to Robert California. I really liked Robert California because mm-hmm. I thought he was different enough <laughs> while still being weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say he was probably still my number two out of the three. I just, yes. I, I absolutely hated Idris Elba's character because I've had bosses like him before and it just <laughs> brought back horrible memories. So. Otherwise, I love Idris Elba. He's one of my favorite actors. I think I'll say I love Will Ferrell's character for the amount of time he was on there. I think if he'd been on there longer, I would have hated it. But I think it was just the right amount of time. I think that's a good point. Before we dive further into the discussion, I I have a few comments that I wanted to read that might kind of spur on further discussion between us. Let's hear them. All right. So the first one is from Anarch Butterflies. Uh, nice. Not Monarch, but Anarch. They say, interesting theory, but the documentary wasn't aired until several years after that incident, so they didn't really mm-hmm. need a ratings boost. Plus, they weren't supposed to interfere with the filming, although they did start doing that in the final season. That's a really good point. I agree. Absolutely. That was the first mm-hmm. thing that popped into my head when you were reading this about needing the ratings boost. There was no ratings boost. It wasn't a series when it was mm-hmm. viewed. If we're going to not be doyalist about <laughs> our analysis. By the way, we learned that Doylist from uh, Michael's theory last week is, re- it's actually like a fandom jargon term. Yes, wow. uh, I was completely unaware of this and Lara did yeah. her research and found out the truth. I did my research after the fact, like a good <laughs> podcast yes. host does, um, that uh, Doylist refers to looking at these things through an a, lens of our world instead of looking at it from within the world of mm. the mm-hmm. the source material so if we're looking at it through the lens of the source material again it's just like one documentary film it's not a series so yeah they wouldn't need ratings boost and it's from like it's for like their pbs or something their local pbs affiliate yeah. so yeah. I mean, they just ask for your donation <laughs> dollars later. They don't care about ratings. <laughs> right. Exactly. So the next comment, I, <laughs> I'm i going to try to say this person's username. 
<laughs> I know you guys are excited. You can do it. This, yes. this username is Ian. Yeah. I think I did enough Ias in there. Um, nice. Very nice. Say, it's almost like HP Lovecraftian there with that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really mm-hmm. is. So they, they say there's always the possibility that D'Angelo just looks a lot like Will Ferrell. Or better yet, D'Angelo is actually the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And they're referring to Chad Smith, for those of you who don't know. You can look him up. I did not and know. He and he and Will Ferrell actually do look a lot alike. They did a, mm-hmm. a little bit on... Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's uh, Tonight Show, where they had a drum mm-hmm. off against each other, and it was hilarious. That's funny. But I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, that's I mean, that's a good point too. You know, um, let me let me get through these last two comments, and then we can wrap this discussion up. Um, the next one's from uh, Amos Andy, and they say, I mean, this kind of mirrors what happened in real life anyway. He was a convenient placeholder for Carell while they found a replacement. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's another good point. Um, and then Danny Moores says, the issue is that no one ever acts like they're surprised to see him or hints that they recognize him from somewhere. For me, whenever mm-hmm. something like this happens in some sort of show or movie, I just imagine the role in question, like Will Ferrell in Night at the Roxbury, was just uh, just cast as someone else since Will Ferrell doesn't exist. So basically what they're saying is that even though Night at the Roxbury was referenced, they're saying that in the office universe... Will Ferrell doesn't exist, so it, his character was actually played by somebody else. Mm. And there have been a few okay. a few movies and TV shows that have done stuff like that. Mm. It's it's an interesting point, but my my thing about that is if they, you can't have it both ways. So they're either going to do that, and while they don't actually say, "Oh, this is Night of the Roxbury starring Will Ferrell," mm-hmm. they reference other celebrities like Hilary Swank, and yeah. Mm. Although she doesn't come on the show as another character, you know, it's it's a different thing. But, Laura, yes, yeah. I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Okay, well, if we're going in that vein as well of they constantly reference uh, the show The Wire, and I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Idris Elba mm-hmm. was, mm. had a prominent yep. role in that show as yes. well. Yeah, I think oh, that's where mm-hmm. he got his start. And, and Holly. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Interesting, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, they so were both in that is, show. So that kind of refutes uh, that last comment, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with because I mean it's it's a good point. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean you, so you, we talked about the documentary. The, the only <laughs> I've talked about her before. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if the 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 point about them bringing him on for a, a ratings boost, I mean, you can get around that a little bit by saying okay, at the end when they're going to release the documentary. They need somebody to fill the gap, some star power um, mm-hmm. for that period of time. And I don't know, because I didn't watch the end of the show because I didn't think it was good. But, like, did they just release the documentary all at once or was it serialized as well? That Basically what they did is is at the end, they, they gathered everybody from the actual office together mm-hmm. for, like, a premiere. And they premiered the whole show and allowed them to kind of, like, watch it live together. I, that just doesn't make sense to back. me. You have nine yeah. years of footage mm-hmm. that you're going to make two-hour documentary. I don't get that. I know that's a long time I mean, to make a two-hour documentary with. It, <laughs> it is. I, I will say, just to give a little bit of credit, I, as somebody that makes videos, I do know that for like every one minute of footage, you have to have at least thirty minutes to forty minutes of 
footage to, to draw from in, in the industry like that. You have to have plenty of different takes and different shots and angles and stuff to choose from to cut together this one one minute or so of footage. So with that kind of ratio, it would make sense that there would be a lot more hours than they need for a two-hour documentary, but nine years of it is still a lot obscene for me. Here, um, yeah. Here's what gets me about this is you're telling me if this is if this theory were true, yeah. that every single person in that office was able to have the acting chops to pretend like it wasn't actually right. Will Ferrell there. Mm-hmm. Right. No way. There is no way. You're telling With, me Kevin is not yeah. going to be standing there freaking out like it's Will Ferrell. It's Will Ferrell. You know? If their characters are true to who they are as people, then yeah, there there would be at least a handful of them no that way. would be freaking out. Especially or like when unable to compose themselves. When Michael Scott first meets him, like he would be like Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Of all people. Yeah. You know, it's funny because right. uh, we're saying this about surely it wasn't Will Ferrell. At the same time though, Spencer, what you were saying earlier about having a celebrity featured in the documentary so they can be like including appearances from Will Ferrell. My first job out of college was for a company called Missoula Children's Theater and they tried to have a reality show and they pitched it to like Oprah Winfrey Network and and, and some other networks with a, a, a special documentary, just a little hour and a half documentary that they made and they featured a special interview with one of their most famous former members jk simmons <laughs> so at wow. the end wow <laughs> yeah so wow. they added that and at the end trying to get it some clout in order for the show to be picked mm. up which it didn't yeah. didn't work out but mm. uh that does it does kind of go with what spencer was ah, talking about mm-hmm. of trying to get that star power back there yep. but at the same time i totally agree kevin ryan kelly they wouldn't be able to keep <laughs> oh, yeah. it together no yeah I, kelly Not is a really good one mm-hmm. well great well i think it's time for us to rate this theory michael why don't you explain our rating scale real quick wait a minute you've only been on this show one and a half times you haven't earned the right to execute a transition yet is that right well what do you have to say about this the highest rating we have is genius this is reserved only for the best theories which we believe are better than the actual canon the next step down is plausible It's a good theory. It's believable. Unlikely. Not a terrible theory, but it's still pretty unlikely. And the last thing is preposterous. These are theories that are just stupid. Basically, we're all dumber for having listened to them. Who approved this? I sounded pretty good. I I, I think she did a great job. I quit. Don't worry, everyone. He's contractually obligated to not quit. You can't go anywhere, Michael. (laughs) But you can now select who should give their first rating. Well, since apparently she's running the show now, let's go let Black give the first rating. <laughs> All righty, then. The power. The power. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly, I'm going to have to go with preposterous. I don't know that I'd go so far as to say I'm dumber for having listened to this, but I still just think this is like this is not going to happen because I have too much evidence to tell me that it, it didn't happen. Um, with the whole, they didn't even release the documentary until the whole thing was over, and then there's no way all of them were able to pull off not freaking out when Will Ferrell was there. I, I just think it's preposterous. There's no way. I agree with that. I'll go next. Yeah. Um, that yes, it is. It is absolutely preposterous. I mean, if if Phyllis gets so flustered about Sue Grafton being down at the Steamtown oh, Mall, goodness. 
if Will Ferrell was in the office, you know she'd be calling everyone. She'd be telling Bob, come up here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not happening. She can't, no contract, no contract for any of those people in the office. Even Jim and Pam would keep their mouths shut. Right. Yeah. So, I agree. Preposterous. I also yep. agree that it is preposterous. I do feel dumber after having listened to it because <laughs> I had to bring myself mentally down to this level of trying to make myself oh. jump through smart hoops, hoops. Intel- intellectual hoops um, mm. to make this work. Smart. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so see, see what it's done to my brain. Uh, no, this is just me on the whole day. But, uh, yeah, preposterous for me. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way, really. It's preposterous. You guys have pretty much given all the explanations. But for me, like, I, I don't feel dumber, but I, just the fact that the show aired after all of this is enough proof for me to just throw this theory out the window. Yep. But Chunk it, it. I mean, it's The Office. It's The Office, and I wanted to talk about it. So yep. They're all actors. <laughs> yes. They make it work whenever they want to. Okay, guys, real quick. I have a pop quiz for you. Oh, okay. How much would you pay to be able to discuss theories anytime, day or night, with the query crew on our official Discord server? Technically, I can do that with you anytime already at breakfast, on a walk, in the shower, in bed. I uh, pay $5 a month. Well, hey, that's perfect because for just $5 a month, anybody can support Fan Theory Queries on Patreon and get access to our Discord server. Hey, don't they also get exclusive bonus content like early access to episodes and a personalized thank you video from us? They do! Can't put a price on that. Spencer, actually we did. It's $5 a month. Oh, wow. I just looked and saw there are two other tiers. One at $3 and one at 10 That one lets people watch recording sessions live. Holy cow! Wait, you mean there could be people watching us as we make history right this very moment? Yep. Can't put a price on that. Uh, you did. It's $10 a month. So, listeners, check out patreon.com slash fantheoryqs. Become a patron, and you'll have the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us give strangers on the internet exposure for their obscure fan theories. And <laughs> what a perfect segue. <laughs> what a perfect segue. Because um, we had a fan reach out to us on Twitter. Mm. So this is a shout out for the shout yes. out that we got. Way to Thank go, fan. Thank you, Tanner. Tanner Wiltshire on Twitter suggested Tanner, this fan hero. theory to us. Oh, yes, we love it. Um, Moana died in the storm. Ah. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> yeah. This is wow, the thanks, originally. <laughs> Way to bring the mood down. Read the room. No. <laughs> now we're all about the dark stuff, aren't mm-hmm. we? That was yeah, the last yes. episode. Absolutely. Listen to our last episode. <laughs> Shame Michael might need there. to make another service announcement after this one. <laughs> Start thinking, Michael. Okay, so yes. this is Moana Died in the Storm, originally posted on the Disney Is Our Life Facebook page. The Moana plot goes like this. Always longing for adventure, Moana went out on a quest to save her island. And she succeeded. Came home to her parents and was the heroine of the tale. The end. Blah, blah, blah. But what if it didn't actually happen? What if Moana actually died? And the story was a metaphor for her journey to the spirit mm-hmm. world. Man, we love these things, right? This is almost <laughs> like mm-hmm. Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Palpy. so... Uh, <laughs> Palpy. Palps. <laughs> Palps, that's right, Palps. 
<laughs> okay, so that's a fan theory that's circulating on the internet. And while it's compelling, if Moana didn't end like we thought it did, what is even real anymore? How can we trust anything? Quote, Moana died in the storm, the post is titled. Already, this has our backs up. Quote, Moana actually died in the storm at the beginning of the movie. Ma- movie? <laughs> movie. <laughs> I went straight from movie to Maui. <laughs> and it made me go mooey. You're going to keep that in, aren't you, Spencer? I am. Okay. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, Maui is her guardian angel who is tasked to take her to Te Fiti, which stands for heaven in the movie. Quote, the whole movie was about her journey to the afterlife. Hang on. Mm. Hang on. So, are you trying to tell us that the line where the sky meets the sea... The one that's calling her is actually her doom? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dark rubbish is that? With one post, Disney is our life single-handedly destroyed the hopes and dreams of a generation of children. And I will say, one of those children would be our oldest daughter because Moana is her favorite (laughs) Disney movie. It is. Okay, I like the idea that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is her thing what is what is he again her guard her guardian guardian her guide. angel guide guardian guide. angel um i especially like visualizing that point where they go down that hole down into the water to meet uh jermaine from flight of the concords mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um like i kind of envision that as like a passage through a stage of the afterlife but there are some other things plot wise that also i have to reconcile like if it's about her journey, then why why do we have this character development for Maui? Like with his losing his ability and his hook and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That's just one thing mm-hmm. you kind of have to think about. Why is that important in the grand scheme of things? Well, that yeah. happens in It's a Wonderful Life. You know, we have... With Clarence. Our yeah, central character. And then we have Clarence, who has his mm-hmm. journey as well. Okay. I know I'm seeing this as like a, a Dante's Inferno, It's a Wonderful Life in Polynesia. <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. what they're making this theory out to be. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear from you, Stools. What do y'all think? Hugo first, Michael. I'm still unpacking this well, in my mind. My my thoughts are actually kind of encapsulated in one of the comments. Um, but Okay, let's hit I'll, the comments about, then. Yeah, that's the, the basically thing. the first thing you're going to say is, is pretty much what I would have to say about this theory. Okay, which is, quote, but her grandmother is already a ghost, one person said. So how yeah. how is that mm-hmm. in conflict with her being so dead? If her grandmother's already a ghost, no one else can see then, her. Yeah, but if she's a ghost, and it, ghosts like in their nature, in in stories and stuff, ghosts are a representation of something from the afterlife on Earth, so not in the afterlife. Hmm. So by that line of thinking, she wouldn't appear as a ghost to Moana if Moana was entering the afterlife maybe she was also helping moana transition and that moana would need a ghost to help her brain comprehend i mean it's possible except what is happening to her (laughs) it's not a hill that i'm willing to die on but that's just kind of that was my initial thought when i first read this theory and then i saw that in the comments i was like yeah that's that's pretty much it for me but yeah let's let's go ahead and blythe you you share your thoughts and well i may have more later i think I think if the theory was that she's somewhere between life and the afterlife, 
Um, Space between spaces. Maybe that's hmm. yes. And oh. if she wasn't successful in spoilers, um, returning the heart back to Defeaty, then maybe she would have not been able to return to her life because at the end of the movie, she does go back home to her family and mm -hmm. they see her. Which unless... is the next comment. Makes no sense. At the end, she oh, returns yes. to her family. Yeah. If she had passed, yeah. surely she would have been with her grandmother. Yes. Maybe she was somewhere between and her returning the heart to Tafiti. Tafiti gave that gift back to her. Like, you, you get your life back. Mm -hmm. You can get home safely. Um, because you you gave me my life back. I don't know, maybe. I think I'd believe it more if it was that. I just think mm -hmm. her going back home at the end and there's no even slight hint that she's not actually there with her parents. Um, I think I'd maybe believe it a little more, but I, I just don't yeah. really my, agree with this. My I think it's interesting to think about. Yeah, my addendum to that would be, you know, the island was dying without the heart. Mm. If she dies and she has the heart and that island never gets the heart, everybody else dies. And so yep. she lives with her family in the afterlife on this island as it should be in its pristine condition because they're dead. I mean, that's a fair point. How did her Maybe family so. die? The island died. So they died. And hmm. um, let's lead, let's let's hear some other comments here. We've got one from Shakira. You better listen to her because her hips don't lie, guys. Um, <laughs> it's true. Mine do. They said it's a theory. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, otherwise, how was Hey Hey next to her the whole time? And how did she reunite with her family and end up becoming a voyager like their ancestors? Yeah. And then Heather said, "This is." This is what happens when you try to watch kids' movie through a grown-up perspective. <laughs> Sometimes it's just about the magic, and grown-ups can't see that anymore. So they ruin everything for everyone that's managed to hold on to their wonder. Mm -hmm. So sad. Dang, <laughs> Heather. Grown up. She's tired. She's tired yeah. of these antics. You can tell yeah. this is from Facebook. I'm with Heather on this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I know I'm you are, Michael. <laughs> I, I am all about the imagination mm -hmm. and just living in that childlike wonder. I just, <laughs> well, I know that Disney creates things that. Um, have deeper meanings mm -hmm. or things that adults could find like this. I just don't think this is one of them. I, I just don't. Yeah. It just doesn't add up to me. It's it's in a weird position for me because I wouldn't say there's evidence towards it, but there are elements that could help support it, such as the weirdness of the water interacting with her, the thing, the monster volcano lady. Like a bunch of supernatural things are happening that... Tikka. Obviously, it's a cartoon, yeah, that could happen because it's a Disney movie. But also, you could say, okay, these are all part of this thing. Um, why did Tafiti show up for her out of anybody? Um, yeah. Because she needed him to help guide her. Um, you could, I can't develop it, but you could work in some kind of story thread with the ancestors. Like, this is happening because... Her ancestors are the ones that helped set this all up for her as she drowned. I don't know. So it's it's a weird well, position. The water interacted with her differently when she was a child, too, though. So that wouldn't support that. Okay, but stop that. I see where you're coming from on the rest of it, though. <laughs> like, how does she l survive under the water with the crab? Like, she's how does she not When drown? they go in... Oh, she's... because that's within, like, an air bubble. 
But she spends a lot of time Tom underwater. Tomatoa was singing, you could look up and you could see the surface of the water. So think of it almost as being like Atlantis or whatever the place where Mira is from. That's more like a bubble or whatever. The bubble. There that's what they were called. Also, be and <laughs> tremendous pressure uh, that far below into the bottom of the ocean that her body would not be able to sustain. Well, now goodness. you're becoming doyalist. You're getting too <laughs> yeah. doyalist. Clearly, she's clearly dead the whole time. <laughs> clearly, she has some supernatural abilities from her ancestors. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. what gives her these powers and abilities. And, and that's like, the explanation. How do you explain that weird ship with those weird monster creature things? Like, that's not real life. That's a metaphor oh, the life. Yeah. Yeah, what are, are they? Like what are they supposed to represent? Again, yeah. that's like I, that's why I say it's part Dante's True. Inferno. So I think we are kind of going in circles here. We're circling the drain. Yeah. We need to hit the I need more time to here. determine my rating. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael, why don't you start us off? I am going to give this one a preposterous. It's it's dumb. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. Like Heather said, like I don't. I'm not about <laughs> it at all. The reverse could be said though. Like it almost takes more wonder and imagination to believe the theory than it does to believe the movie itself. So who's the one with the imagination now, Michael? Does that mean you're ready to go, Spencer? <laughs> I am ready. Um, I'm not ready to say that this is completely plausible so i will say you're unlikely i i'm not ready to do that one thing i am ready to say this is (laughs) unlikely um i don't think it is accurate 100 percent as is but i think there's a possibility of some other otherworldly stuff that occurred to her because she either died or had a near-death experience in the line where the sand meets the sea it's not the sand the sky. Oh, well, get it there right. are two lines Spencer. there. We're going to go back to listening to the Moana soundtrack on repeat till you get it right. Unlikely. Um, I'm going to go with unlikely. Yeah. I don't think it's... Well, I think I'm way more on the preposterous side than you are, though. <laughs> I think it's interesting to think about. I think that maybe if she's just hanging in the balance between life and afterlife, I'd go a little bit more towards plausible. But I'm going to stick with a hard unlikely. All right. Good. And I'm... I'm going with preposterous. Um, I remember, I think it was in like English Lit, uh, talking about, you know, you can read in in some author's work an intent that maybe they hadn't thought of before, but they left it open to that. Or in some author's intent, they're, no, this is exactly the kind of allegory or metaphor they're trying to, to elicit for you. And Blythe brought that up earlier. Some of these mean, movies have a deeper meaning that uh, for adults and some of them don't. I think this did have a meaning for an adult, but our OP here, I didn't even, oh yeah, I, I mean, well, we didn't get the Disney original poster's life. name. No, it's and just I'm the Facebook not, page. I'm not blaming this on Tanner Wilshire. He, oh no. He is innocent. <laughs> He's brought he to our attention. He just wanted to hear our commentary yes. on mm-hmm. it. I, Tanner, I hope we've lived up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the meaning here. What I'm pretty sure with Moana was like, yes, we want to be protective. We want to keep our family safe. But I mean, sometimes we die. You do have to go out of your comfort zone. And sometimes mm-hmm. you do need to be willing, be a little brave to that's a different break movie. out there. And so mm-hmm. that's what this is uh, talking about. And so that's why I think mm-hmm. what this person wrote is just making my brain link out my ears because it's so preposterous. It's such a beautiful yeah. brain, though. I can see it. Thank you. Tanner, thank you so much for providing this theory for us. This has and been a round good of applause for Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Tanner. 
Tanner, feel feel yeah. free to send us any uh, any theories that you find in the future, and any of our other other listeners, if you want to hit us up, if you find a theory that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. Changing the subject, you know, it's a a rare condition in this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. Yeah, but does anybody really read the newspaper anymore? Maybe not, but as days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. What? Huh? That's not even a complete thought. Yeah, yeah, it's the bigger love of the family. Wait, what? That makes us happy? That makes the world go round? That makes the perfect subject of a sitcom? Yes. All of those. Man, you're really having a stretch when it comes to writing these message break lead-ins these days, aren't you, Spencer? Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe... Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to Science and Geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. How would you like to challenge your little grey cells while reveling in the vintage perfection of David Suchet's Poirot? If so, then the Labours of Hercule podcast was made for you. We're taking a deep dive into every episode of this masterpiece of television and giving you the clues you need to solve the case along with Poirot himself. We present the case and you solve it. Whether you're a detective in the making... Or if you just simply want to gush over the genius and art decodence of Agatha Christie... Then subscribe now to the labors of Hercule wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, you ready for my theory? Me, I am. Yes. Let's this hear is, it. This is about Family Matters, one of mm. my favorite 90s sitcoms. Um, it says Steve Urkel's parents pay for the damages steve does to carl's house and this is from skeletor full power i love theories like this where there's like there are like very little stakes involved it's just a yeah a positive yes. theory yes mm-hmm. i love it i'm excited to re- share All this right, with you guys let's do it it's it says You ever wonder how carl can afford to fix all the damage caused in his house by steve Well, obviously, Carl sends them a bill every time he destroys something. (laughs) Carl likely does have home insurance. I mean, I think he would. But they probably won't cover his house being destroyed by Steve's antics. So when Steve made a hole in the roof, destroyed Carl's garage, Carl's bedroom, I think he destroyed more stuff. Steve's parents cover it with no (laughs) questions asked. Steve's parents are kind of weird. They are supposedly embarrassed of Steve, so they probably just send Carl a check and ask him to not say anything to keep the (laughs) incidents quiet. 
Also, mm -hmm. Steve's dad is some kind of medical researcher or something and patented a few things that likely pay well, so they're likely rich. So what okay. are your initial thoughts about that? Before I get into um, two of the comments, what are your initial thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, I think that somebody's got to pay for it, and it's not Steve, and it's not Carl. Mm -hmm. I think that's a valid solution. Um, I will say that when it comes to homeowners' liability, it's usually if an accident happens on your property, the homeowner is responsible. Mm. Well, speaking of mm. insurance, so Better Seds has a comment that says, well, the Winslow's insurance policy would probably pay for the damages after the deductible, but Steve's parents probably have liability coverage on their own policy. Given their track record, they probably keep their own policy up to date. Knowing their son, <laughs> Steve's parents may even purchase a standalone liability policy with an excess form, or maybe they're just rich. And then Skeletor <laughs> Full Power responded and said, my logic is the fact that the damage gets fixed by the next episode. With insurance, <laughs> they have to send someone down and assess the damage. Mm -hmm. And maybe after a couple weeks to a month, maybe even longer, it's fixed. If you mm -hmm. have the cash, on the other hand, you could just call someone and get it fixed right away. That is an excellent point. Mm -hmm. But to refute yes. that point, um, are there any, I can't remember because it's been a while since I've seen the show, but are there any actual storylines that have like a through line from episode to episode that one episode takes place immediately after the other or could they because mm -hmm. typically in the sitcom format each episode with any show could take place with x amount of time in between and exactly don't really show that so yeah it could mean that i mean that there could it could have been it could have been a couple months or so or two after days the previous episode and plenty of time for them to fix maybe each episode picks up right after all the damage has been fixed from the previous episode. Who knows? Yeah, because otherwise how is that's he going to damage the only time they're <laughs> That's the only time they're willing to have him back over is, okay, we got it fixed, yes. he can come again. <laughs> well, yeah, and um, plus it's going to take Carl a, a while to like cool off after, mm -hmm. his, oh, yes, after all the that's damage true. and stuff each time. The other comment I was going to share is from Mastodon Butt. <laughs> they say the bigger question is who's paying for Steve's endeavors. That is a bigger question. Mm, yes, that is a good which question. is true. I mean, yes. Steve is literally he built a robot version of himself. Mm -hmm. um, he builds machine. later on in the show the what the cloning the clone machine. Yes, he. Yep. I think it's called like Stefan Urkel transformation chamber or something like that. And yes, he makes Stefan yep. Urkel. Who's paying a teleporter. for that? I remember yes. them teleporting to like Paris yes. or something. Yeah, um, I think that's right. It's it's one of those things where it's a problem that we don't have to have a solution for. But now that mm -hmm. it's yeah. been presented, I have to have a solution for it. I must <laughs> yeah. know because I don't, I don't. I don't recall there aren't any actors portraying his parents. Right? They're, he's just they're just referred to. No, that's to. what I was just going to say. So. I don't think yeah. they ever show up. I think that maybe they're referred to a couple of times um mm -hmm. maybe in like those tender moments when steve is talking to the winslows about how they're more like his real family i'm sure it probably mm -hmm. references it a little bit I, honestly my thoughts are and kind of always were growing up watching it that they are very busy straight laced probably wealthy people who yeah. um will support his projects but probably kind of look down on him for the way he acts and yeah they don't really um, parent his, him you know, awkwardness mm -hmm. yeah exactly 
exactly. He's never with so, them. He's always somebody else's mm-hmm. problem. He's kind of had to figure it out on his own, mm-hmm. which is part yes. of the reason why he is so awkward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see them literally just being like, well, what did you do now? And then just writing a check and then, yep. you know, sending it off to the Winslows and that's it. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Laura? I never watched this show. Oh, We've been married 11 years. So quiet. We've been married 11 years and I did not know this. What? I, I've been oh, over how, here drinking my drink. Wow. And just, when, when we do, were talking do, 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 about do. this, like... <laughs> Do you at least so, like, understand the concept of the show? I know that Steve Urkel does something for some reason. I guess this is what he does that makes him say, did I do that? And, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So essentially that, the Winslows yes. are a family in, I believe, Chicago. Chicago, yes. And Carl yeah. Winslow, the father, is a Carl Winslow, the, the cop. Yeah, and he's from... He's Reginald Bell Johnson plays him. He's the yes. guy from... Yeah, he's the, he's mm-hmm. the cop Terminator. and Die Hard. Oh yeah, yes. he, I have a, I have a theory of my own that that's the same character, but we'll get to that another time. <laughs> oh, there is but, a theory out there, um, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, anyway, so that's that's their family, and uh, they've got kids, uh, a son, Eddie, and uh, the daughter's Laura, right? Mm-hmm. That's Steve's in yes. love with her. Laura Winslow. Yeah. Yeah. And how Steve could you not has a massive name? crush on on Laura. <laughs> It's probably because her uh, name is Steve- Laura. It's Laura. <laughs> it's it's Laura, not Laura. So just to make that differentiation. Um, but Steve has a massive crush on Laura. And that's kind of a through line uh, arc throughout the whole show. But yeah. essentially, Steve is this really awkward, nerdy guy who doesn't have a lot Scientist. of yeah, social aptitude. And, and he's, he's extremely smart. He's a genius. And so mm-hmm. he's always coming up with these wacky... Uh, inventions and plans and stuff like that but also he's extremely clumsy mm-hmm. and like that's his thing is he always bumps into stuff knocks things over breaks things mm-hmm. and that's whenever he says did I do that <laughs> that whole thing you know and a lot of times it's because he's just trying to help exactly but it just he, he means wrong. well he just doesn't yeah yes. mm-hmm. so yeah. the one thing okay. that you need to know Laura is that he makes sorry Laura I'm Getting my Laura's and Laura's confused. It's okay. We're talking Um, about the show. It's fine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He makes this transformation chamber, which ends up turning into a cloning machine later on, where he turns himself into like a a cool, suave version of himself. The complete opposite. Which is basically Jaleel White. his name is... Correct. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, And his name is Stefan Urkel. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole story. I think I remember who does like Laura commercials when that mm-hmm. was happening, when it was a big yes. <gasps> Whoa! And mm-hmm. I think I remember there being commercials yes. about that, but that was just not a, a show that was watched in my household. Hmm. Steve yeah. Urkel also yeah. show. showed up it. on Full House one episode. So if you watched That's Full true, House, there was a crossover. Saw him on yep. there. Do not mm-hmm. remember so they that. Exist in the same Dang. universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I think he helped. Whoa! What was he doing in San Francisco? Upset about something. I I don't yeah. remember. It was just a way to cross promote the shows. Oh, yeah. did he use his teleporting honest, machine? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think he hadn't built it by that yeah. point. He was still kind of young. For Maybe that, he was right? there for some wow. sort of like yeah. science Insert. commission. He was yeah. he was helping. He was helping. I think you said Stephanie with like a science project or something like that. I don't know. Uh, wow. I think he helped okay. her with her dances or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. We're we're digressing. But. Yeah, yeah. All I know is All right, I have well, my... Sorry. I was letting yeah, y'all I, I carry know. this because, yeah. <laughs> but you've heard enough of my... I think you're being too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be very quiet on this next one, so it's it's completely fair. <laughs> it's cool. Okay, good. All right. Um, I have uh, 
rating. Go for okay, it. go ahead. I think this Kick is I think this is genius. Like I said, there needs this is a problem that I didn't know needed solving, and I mean, even though it's a simple solution, it's still in my mind a genius thing to come up with. That clearly we don't know what his parents do, but mm-hmm. someone's got to pay for it. And although the Winslows may have insurance, it's still like they're still have to pay something. Um, one way or another, and they're yeah. either going to, and with Carl being a police officer, you know, he has easy access to the law and mm-hmm. could easily be like, look, I'm suing you, and I'm a police officer, so I'm always obviously <laughs> going to win. Um, so mm-hmm. they're just like, whatever, here's some money, dude, and Steve, whatever, just keep being yourself. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, I think this is genius. Yeah, I uh, I concur. I think this is also a genius theory for pretty much the same reasons. It's something that I never really thought about whenever I watched the show, but now that it's been brought up, I'm glad that there's an explanation that makes sense, and this does make sense to me. So mm. in my head, for throughout the entirety of the show, Steve's parents are <laughs> paying for all his damages. I will go ahead and say genius, but I'm actually going to go in a different direction from y'all. Um, agreeing with the fact that uh, Carl is apparently a police officer, he is uh, a mandatory reporter. If there is any kind of like child neglect, anything like mm. that, the parents totally mm. paying them off to not report. That's totally what's wow. going on here, you guys. Good point. So, I love uh, that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Told even more you, genius. I like it dark. <laughs> so, uh, and again, you guys, as far as the insurance covering things, I mean, I understand, yes, you'll, you'll you'll pay up to your deductible, but a lot of those things, when an adjuster comes out, they're going to look at things and assess, but then there are also so many things come down to, is it an act of God or was it actually through negligence? And um, if it was actually just negligence, they're not going to cover it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. So I, I think that, yes, it would take his parents paying for that. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with genius on this with you guys. Yay. So for me, genius has to be something that's just like, whoa. I can't believe I didn't think of that. That is, that has to be it. I feel like I just kind of assumed that that was happening when I was watching this show. So I'm going to go with plausible. Okay. Do you think that's that's accurate for that's what fair. I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's that fair. it's I think that it's believable. I think that it probably did happen that way. But I feel like I want to reserve genius for something that truly just blows my mind. Yes, that has to be it. Like the next um, theory. I think there could be other answers, but yeah, I'm going to go with plausible on this one. Okay. Um, so my theory for this episode um, is about High School Musical, and this comes from Equivalent Inflation from Reddit, and the title is High School Musical. The school is a post-eugenics world where all those physically incapable of song or dance are removed. If you don't believe me, watch through the movies again. On the surface, everything seems fine. But look at what isn't there. Specifically, any kid with a wheelchair, crutches, or any physical or mental disability. The movie's time period is vague, but from the technology and situations we see, it's pretty clearly early 2000s. The Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1990, requiring all schools to provide accommodations for students with disabilities, so it's odd that there are none around. Statistically speaking, that's a huge anomaly. It's a school with around 2,000 kids, and roughly 15% of people have some kind of disability. There should be at least a handful visible. It gets even weirder when you notice that there's not even any temporary injuries. In a high school with that many sports teams, you'd expect there to be at least a few kids with the cast or crutches. The obvious counter to this theory would be that those students are just conveniently somewhere off screen. However, we see multiple big shots of students and even some adults 
song breaks, musical audience, graduation, none of whom have any disability. This means that students with disabilities or injuries are either nowhere to be found or are hidden away and not allowed to interact with everyone else. That opens up a related question. How is everyone able to sing and dance so well? Obviously, yes, it's a musical. That question seems ridiculous at first. But when you realize that all of the people whose disabilities make it so they can't sing or dance disappeared, it becomes a lot more suspicious. Who's to say that all the out-of-tune kids didn't go the same way as the kids with wheelchairs <laughs> or casts? Usually eugenics focuses on things like physical fitness, lifespan, intelligence, whatever. However, the definition of eugenics is arranging reproduction to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics seen as desirable and someone's seen capability is largely determined by genetics, meaning that it could be arranged by controlling reproduction. Obviously, training still plays a big part in singing capabilities, but some people will always have an advantage. Same with dancing, coordination, physical fitness, and all that have uh, genetic components. Big caveat, yes, having certain people make babies in order to create better singers and dancers is idiotic and wouldn't really work. I never said it made sense, just said it was vaguely pseudoscience <laughs> enough for people to believe it, just like all eugenics. So to sum it all up, there's a society that, pr that prioritizes certain traits, traits which hypothetically can be passed on genetically. Those who hold the ubermensch traits are at the top of the social order and those with weaker traits are beneath them. Those who lack these traits entirely are removed from society and never seen again. Even more summed up, Sound of Music if the Nazis were the good guys. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a sum yeah. up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I'll go ahead and go first on this. Oh, Just please. because I've never seen any of these movies, nor do I desire to <laughs> even remotely see any of these movies. Because I think they're trash. Honestly, I agree with the sum up. That's kind of what I get just from seeing the trailers of these. And this seems like a very feasible idea. Now, I, I, I will don't... say um, they didn't they don't explicitly state this, but based on their context and the title, this is only referring to High School Musical, none of the sequels. So we're going to make yeah. our judgment based solely off of that. Okay. I I've seen bits and pieces of it. I didn't see the whole thing from start to finish. Man, I used to watch it religiously, and uh, that was even yeah, after I, I graduated <laughs> high school. Mm -hmm. It was a big thing I guess in college. We're for not you. all in this together on this. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I'm sure that's some sort of reference to the movie that I don't get. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to bop to the top because I'm the one that's quoting here. You know what? <laughs> they're not sticking to the status quo. Oh, they're <laughs> not. You're right. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Mm -mm. Okay, do y'all know anything about eugenics? I do now um, after <laughs> the explanation and a very, very small amount of research prior to the recording this episode. Uh, I feel like I should know more than I do as a science, science teacher, lady. but yeah. I learned a lot more about eugenics listening to this theory than I <laughs> did before. <laughs> so there you go. There's See, folks, a, this, another this reason. This podcast is, is for learning, too. Valuable. Another reason why you want to support <laughs> us on Patreon. I'm going to go ahead and read a couple of comments here. Uh, first one is from Expand Dong 420. Good oh. hypothesis. Okay. Although I did. <laughs> I was going to say anything. Good hypothesis. Although I disagree with the part about students who dance and sing are perceived as superior. A big part of the movie was about how cool the basketball team was and how Troy would be nerdy and wasting his talent if he decided to join the theater club. Everybody dances and sings. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like the mathletes. Even um, like one of the guys who's trying to hide that he can cook. I mean, even like the skater people and stuff, they all dance and sing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the scene in the cafeteria where they're <laughs> yeah. all 
when they're singing, stick to the status quo, right? Where mm. they're all coming yes. out and saying like, ooh, I really, my dream is to do this and my dream is to do this. And they're not sticking with their click. The clicks are literally singing and dancing mm-hmm. while they're telling they them, no, are. you can't do that. It so doesn't it's a make strange, sense. It's, it's a strange juxtaposition as we will see this comment in just a minute. But I want to read this one because this is just a fun one. Pop-Tart, <clears throat> Pop-Tart Tater says, wow, Mandela effect. I don't know why, but I thought I remember there being a guy in a wheelchair in the stick to the status quo number. And there was another person that replied saying they could have sworn on that as well, but neither of them could find any evidence of that. Are they I can almost guarantee they're thinking That's of Glee. I was say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they um, ever cover any high school musical songs on Glee? Maybe they just sang something similar I in that. Maybe. doubt they could do that because Glee was on Fox oh, that's true. and that mm-hmm. was not owned by Disney, Disney yeah. at that point. That's true. So they would not have been allowed to do that. Plus, by the way, this movie premiered in January of 2006. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the final comment I'll read is, says there is a lot of evidence that this is not the case. Uh, first of all, things like this theater would be seen much more highly. When Troy initially considered signing up, for the musical, he has to make the excuse that he's interested in it because of school credits to not look dumb. So this is kind of, we already covered this about thinking that it's dumb, but they're the ones that all basketball players, whatever, are involved in the singing and dancing. Uh, Miss Darbus needs to rely on detention punishment to even get help. She needs to build her stage decoration, as we see she when she punishes almost the whole class in the beginning and also repeats the threat later, basically saying that nobody wants to be involved in theater, so she has to use it as a punishment. Uh, Troy's father appears to the pr- appeals to the principal to get his team members off detention and receive special treatment for them being basketball players and needing them in practice. Instead, these aren't good points of evidence. And the last one would be the callbacks have barely an audience beside Miss Darbus and Kelsey, the pianist. There are just 17 students present, of which one is literally asleep after Sharpay and Ryan's performance. So um, this person's evidence is not very good. Um, I think what this person is trying to say is that if everyone can sing and dance so well, then theater would be more popular, which is not always the case. I right. mean, there are tons of people who can yeah. sing really well that I will say as a person who was formerly like deeply involved in community theater, constantly trying to recruit people to join. When I met singers and tried to talk them into joining, they had they wanted nothing to do with mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. at all. It has nothing to do with being able to sing and dance. It has to do with the time it takes to put into it and Mm -hmm. getting up on stage and doing something totally out of your comfort zone when it comes to Mm -hmm. playing a character. And when you're just a person who likes to sing, that's that's not related at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can kind of see where they're coming from on trying to say that theater would be more popular, but what I'm trying to say is the opposite effect. It doesn't, those two things, it's not a, there's not a correlation between the two, being able to sing and dance and everyone liking theater. Right, yeah, that's that's, that's a very silly linkage. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, think of all the people that can just like bust a move as they're going down the sidewalk or at the mall <laughs> just because they can do a 360 or whatever dance move freestyle doesn't mean they want to be in a musical. <laughs> so, yeah. In a school of 2,000 kids, we don't see any disabilities. Everybody can sing and dance that we can see. It's very unlikely maybe that they're just being pushed off to the side. And even if they are, that's a clear showing a clear preference to those with musical abilities, dancing abilities, etc. If you look closely in at least in Stick to the Status Quo, you've got 
like five tables, five round tables with each click at them, like uh, Blythe mentioned, and each of those clicks are singing and dancing around their table, on their table. And then there's a second level, and there are people singing and dancing up there, including like Sharpay and Ryan. Is that her brother's mm-hmm. name? But then there's a shot from the second level looking down, and there is a ring of people in standing around the perimeter of those tables. They are not dancing. And the shot is too quick for me to tell if they're singing or not. But there are people there who are not participating, at least in choreography. I bet they're singing. So, I mean... But none of them, but they're all standing. Nobody mm. is at least hmm. physically disabled. That's, well, this so says, in cap- take with that what you will. This says song or, it would be like a song and or dance kind of thing. Like, you're good at but one. But what if yeah. one of them's deaf and we don't know because they're standing there? Well, that's, we don't know. They did not go out of their way to make it seem like they were accepting of all people. They went out of their way to show us that they only cared about the talented. The biggest thing for me that makes me disagree with this theory is that you have adults who don't want the students participating in certain things. Troy's father doesn't want him, doesn't understand him Mm -hmm. wanting to be in theater and singing and dancing. He thinks it's a waste of time because he just wants him to focus on basketball. The theater teacher doesn't like how basketball takes away from theater stuff. And then you also have, like we said, the students that are saying, oh, no, you should just be in this or you should just be in this. I think literally the entire plot of the movie points against this. Oh, well, everyone should be singing and dancing and great at it if you think about the actual storyline of the movie now if you're just looking at what's happening in the movie without caring about the story itself of the fact that literally even the you know i don't know what they were the skaters like we said who were telling one of the characters no you can't be a hip-hop dancer while they're telling her that they're literally he wanted to be a cellist Mm -hmm. oh cellist okay yes i got that mixed up with the other group there's Um, a mathlete girl that wanted to be a singer and pop and lock yes Mm. that's right that's right (laughs) um i think that if you just looked at that then maybe this could work um i think if anything this just points out the fact that disney did a terrible job of um representation uh, representation (laughs) in these films so that's not good the fact that people have to go all the way to eugenics to um explain (laughs) that away probably not a good thing (laughs) all right everybody ready to rate i'm ready to rate yeah all right let's start with you michael you're eager so having never seen this movie and having zero interest in this movie just based off of what i've heard (laughs) just based off of what i've heard i would have to give this a plausible I can't give it a genius because I haven't seen the movie mm-hmm. and I can't really uh, just throw that rating out there for that. But yeah, I'll give it a plausible. Uh, the movie itself, I'm giving a preposterous because <laughs> just the idea of it is preposterous to me. Um, now, for listeners, I, I need to clarify, I don't hate musicals. I don't hate theater. I like both of those things. I just specifically do not like this movie or but, any of these movies. I just think they're ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous is that they have high school musical the musical. Yeah. And there's like is there a reality show or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give this an unlikely. I think that on the surface, maybe it could be true, but um, I just think there's too many. They don't back it up well. There's not enough evidence for me to really agree with the theory. Um, so I'm going to give it unlikely. I'm going to go with a plausible on this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, <laughs> looking at this from 
our new found doylist perspective. This is from 2006. <laughs> we were not yet all on inclusivity. And True. so that came back yeah. and bit them in the butt and they start they went all in on inclusivity mm-hmm. on Disney. So maybe not eugenics, maybe it was just uh, let's get as many talented singers and dancers as possible. No, we can't have a kid in a wheelchair here. So that's what I'll go with. Yeah. I am also going to say plausible. Um, I think there are are lots of facts and support to support this theory, including they included percentages. Clearly, that means they did their research that there should be at least 15% of people with a disability in that school and you see zero. And I think that it is a plausibility that maybe, like Laura said, maybe not necessarily the genetic reproduction of saying, oops, you can't sing, so you are not allowed to have babies. That kind of thing, maybe not that far. But there's definitely Mm -hmm. some kind of control going on in this world where, especially at this school, certain type of people are preferred and certain type of people are not and are eliminated. Not Well, maybe maybe they are eliminated, but definitely excluded. Yeah. What would be crazy if this was true is that Zac Efron didn't even sing all of the songs fully himself <laughs> because In the he first couldn't movie, hit the notes the right way. It's actually Drew mm-hmm. Seeley that's singing a lot of his songs, and he actually went on the tour supposedly, in place of Zac mm. Efron because he couldn't sing the songs mm-hmm. the right oh, way. So that would be that interesting if right. this was true and that actually happened. I will say there is a, cont- oh. a contending theory about that that they had signed Drew Seeley first for the role and then oh. they found Zac Efron. How sad and then for they him. Went, well, we already promised. Yep, he already signed a contract, so we'll let him sing oh. and we'll let him go on the tour but we like Zach better, so we're signing him for the rest of these movies. Further proof. Sorry, Zach and Drew, if that's yeah. true, man. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, Laura, Spencer, Blythe, Michael, guys, we've had some great theories today, um, and so it is time to bring this episode to a close. I know it's always a sad time, but as we are doing some research on Reddit, I came across this fascinating movie detail. Um, just in my feed here, and this person's name is Advocate Saint, and uh, this you've read that before. That they... No, I have not. Advocate Saint, we have okay. we've heard this name before. Just... I think he's okay. we've done one of his theories before. Uh, uh, movie details. Um, Advocate Saint must be a very good movie person because he always knows all these <laughs> fascinating details about movies. Um, but this one is about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Um, in this movie, uh, this person points out that Voldemort and Harry simultaneously cast spells. Voldemort shoots a green light because he wants Harry to go away. Harry fires a red light because he needs to stop Voldemort. <laughs> pretty, pretty fascinating, wow. isn't it? Thank you, Advocate Saint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that wow. trivia? <laughs> Next time where I'm on, like, a, a Harry Potter trivia night, I'll know why they use those colors. It's really going to be useful in the future. (laughs) That's going to win the game. (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, this has been Fan Theory Queries, and I'm Laura. I'm Michael. I'm Blythe. And I'm Spencer. Join us next time as we analyze more fan theories and ask queries such as, in 1992's Batman Returns, how is Selina Kyle, after dying from a large fall, able to be licked back to life by a bunch of cats to then become Catwoman? 
Is it possibly she is largely being controlled by the parasite Toxoplasma gondii? We'll discuss that and two other fascinating fan theories on next week's episode. 